Welcome to the long overdue Broadway premiere review recap episode for Paula Vogel's How I Learned to Drive. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. Stop me if you've heard this before, but if you are listening to this on Patreon, it is a standalone episode in your feed. And if you are hearing it in the regular feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. Last night at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater on Broadway was a night more than two and a half decades in the making, as the 1998 Pulitzer Prize winner for drama, How I Learned to Drive, finally made its Broadway debut thanks to the Manhattan Theater Club. The show originally opened off-Broadway in a production from the Vineyard Theater in March of 1997. Reuniting the play's original director Mark Brokaw with the play's original stars, two-time Tony winner Mary Louise Parker and Tony nominee David Morse, as well as fellow original company member Tony nominee Johanna Day, they are joined in the company by Alyssa Mae Gold and Chris Myers. If you are unfamiliar with the show, it is a memory play about a woman coming to terms with a charismatic uncle who impacts her past, present, and future life. And truthfully, to say much more would be doing the work a disservice. So let's just get into the reviews. now. I will try to avoid lines from the articles that give away too much of the plot, but obviously there will be some unavoidable details included, so I will just take this opportunity now to issue a general content warning for sexual abuse involving a minor. Review aggregator site Did They Like It has collected 13 reviews as of recording time, with 12 being positive and one being mixed. Starting first with Maya Phillips of the New York Times who made the show a critic's pick, writing, quote, If I could direct a scene representing why I love theater, it would look something like this. Mary Louise Parker and David Morse delivering crushing performances, both sentimental and horrific, utterly complex, of a Pulitzer Prize winning play to an enthralled audience. Now, normally I would try to pull more from the Paper of Records review, but much of Phillips' review touches on things that could probably be considered spoilery, so I will just leave this one at that. Moving on to Helen Shaw's review in Vulture, after talking about some faulty technical issues, she said, quote, But the chance to see these performers doing such incandescent work should shoulder all such concerns aside. See it for Parker. See it for Morse. Drive is also, and I'm sorry this is such an uncool way to put it, the truth. We have been surrounded in recent months by various hysterical and inaccurate claims from politicians and blowhards about what counts as child endangerment. Vogel, with all her postmodern tricks, is offering a straightforward account of how these things happen. A girl is in peril, and although the people around her all sense it, they actively push her further into harm. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show four out of five stars, writing, quote, How I Learned to Drive remains incisive and affecting, not only in the ways that it explores sexual trauma as a personal experience, but also in how it places that experience within a larger social matrix. The waiters and other enablers who turn blind eyes, the family members who enforce bad rules, and Vogel makes troubling points about the aftershocks of pain and how they get processed and passed along. Sex is not a villain here but abuse is a reproductive system. Rounding out the reviews with a few quick ones here, Christian Lewis of Did They Like It said, quote, We should all feel fortunate to see Vogel's ingenious play on stage and to see it so beautifully performed by the divine Mary Louise Parker. This play is a gift. We are lucky to receive it. I hope this begins a trend of much more Vogel indeed. Naveen Kumar, writing for Broadway News, said, quote, The play's long overdue Broadway premiere is bracing, intimate, expertly inhabited, and a rare chance to see artists reanimate their work with the benefit of wisdom. And finally, Juan A. Ramirez, writing for Theaterly, said, quote, Mary Louise Parker has, quite frankly, never been better. 
and her chemistry with Morse is enough reason to commit the production to celluloid history. Seldom does a return engagement do complete justice to its source material, but this is the rare production that proves itself absolutely vital with each passing minute of its captivating time. Well, if those reviews aren't enough to get you to buy a ticket, I don't know what will be. But if you would like to read more of these and other reviews, we will have links to both the Did They Like It and Broadway Review Roundups in the show notes. So that's all that we have for you. If you are listening to this in Patreon, have a wonderful Wednesday. And if you are listening to this in the regular feed, I will send you on to the rest of Today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, April 20, uh, 420, 2022, Elon Musk's favorite day. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday's Grace Aki. Yeah, so I'm sure at this point, I don't even know what he really does for a living. Billionaire, uh, entrepreneur, Elon Musk has probably tweeted out four or five dozen 420 jokes, but guy, really? yeah, that's I'm what sorry. he does. Elon Musk, is your favorite song Santeria by Sublime? Like, grow up, sir. Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I've had enough Elon Musk discussion in my Twitter timeline lately that I would be very glad to not see anybody retweet a 420 joke from him today. Well, if you're gonna, if you're gonna quote, celebrate 420, and this is a theater show, can we please, can we please celebrate the composer Drew Gasparini, whose birthday is 420? Because he also makes that joke, but he's not Elon Musk and he's allowed to do it. (laughs) Yes, Drew Gasparini, uh, Karate Kid composer, his birthday, it kind of feels appropriate. It, that karate it really kid does, composer. if you only knew. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely appropriate. <laughs> All right, we won't get into that. Um, of course, I'm sure at some point we'll have Drew on or somebody on talking about the Karate Kid musical, and whenever we do, you will be able to hear it first in our Patreon feed at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Uh, all right, Grace, let's get into the news. Uh, first up, as you are likely to understand by now, as we've been doing it, Throughout the course of this spring, um, the Broadway, I guess the original Broadway production, but it's probably going to be technically a revival of How I Learned to Drive is officially opening at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. Uh, A few hours after we record, I will have those reviews in a special episode on Patreon uh, tonight and or on Tuesday night. And then they will be a part of today on Broadway on on Wednesday morning. So prepare ye the way of Paula Vogel. But the rest of the news, we had a lot of show and casting stuff. So we're going to break this up into two different sections. The first bit of news will be New York centric. And we got a little bit of an odd announcement here, Grace. And I want to get your thoughts on this. Due to the COVID cases that were detected in Lincoln Center, LCT3's production about the wedding, which we talked about uh, before, instead of coming back this week, as they were originally scheduled to do for their final week of performances, it was announced that the show will now return for seven shows only beginning on May 18th at the Clear Tile Theater. Of course, I spoke with the star of the show, Mary Weissman, a few weeks ago. Um, I've raved about this show to everyone that I've uh, talked to about it. So I'm very glad they are getting a chance to resume the production. But it is a little strange to me that they are waiting a month uh, to come back. So I don't know if that's COVID related, as I talked about with Mary in our Uh, In our interview, she is a cast member on one of the Star Trek TV shows, so I don't know if she has filming obligations that she has to do, Um, but I am glad that they are bringing this back one way or another 
uh, so people can see this last week of shows. Yeah, I mean, like, we're we're just all having to roll with the punches. And I know we need to mm-hmm. come up with, like, a better term for all of this. But, like, just everybody relax. Be flexible. As my friend said last weekend when I spent an entire weekend with, with the girlies, um, they all said the theme of the weekend, soft. We all need to just be soft, okay? So um, I support anything that anybody has to do right now to to make ends meet and, like, be as safe as possible, especially with, like, the, <laughs> the airline announcement today that we got about the masks. Like, mm. we're all just like, well, this is, uh, this is the next step in how we're having to deal with this and we got to protect ourselves accordingly. So uh, there you have it. Can't wait to see the yeah. show. Yeah, and I hope you get a chance to. It's running for... Just seven performances beginning on May 18th. It is definitely worth a trip up to the top of Lincoln Center. Now, going from off-Broadway to Broadway, or at least presumably to Broadway, yesterday the Broadway-bound production of the new musical Black Orpheus announced two new uh, people joining the creative team, and Carlinos Brown will be the composer, and uh, City Garrett will be penning the lyrics. They are both Grammy winners. They are joining Nilo Cruz, Pulitzer Prize winner Nilo Cruz, who is writing the book, and Sergio Trujillo will be directing. This is based on... Uh, a classic 1956 play and 1959 film of the same name. It'll also feature a number of Bossa Nova hits uh, that were included in the original movie version. And finally, in this section, the biggest story of the day. And Grace, if you want to step off for a minute, I am totally fine with I'm you. On mute. Not, <laughs> you don't want to listen to this part. That's fine. But on Tuesday, she, NYC Theater Festival, announced the three shows that will be a part of their uh, upcoming festival from July 25th through August 7th. And one of them is To Free a Mockingbird by Grace Aki. So Grace will be doing her show at the Connolly Theater for uh, two weeks later this summer. Um, of course, as listeners know, she did it as part of She ATL's festival last summer, and it was then streamed. But if you are in New York or around the city or going to be visiting the city, you'll be able to see it in person coming up July 25th through August 7th. Grace, anything you want to add about this, or do you just want to move on because you're awkward and uncomfortable? I <laughs> Matt texted me, hey, I will talk about this tonight. Get over it. I was just like, Um, but I'm I'm very thankful for all the people that listened and watched it um, virtually last year and the few that were in person in Atlanta. Um, And I want to say that like she NYC as an organization, if you are interested in helping uh, gender marginalized voices uh, come to the stage, there are many ways to donate and be a part of that organization. Um, I would give an ovary for these people. They are so supportive and fantastic and we've already just started the ball rolling on everything and I'm, I'm just really honored to be in this group of playwrights and um, I, ju- I just want to say like there might be a way that this might be also accessible virtually again which I'm, I'm really hoping for because we at famously <laughs> are obsessed with mm-hmm. um, accessible theater but uh, regardless it will be really an exciting return like for me personally to like do this show in an off-Broadway theater like this even though you know this is part of a festival run it's very important so um, it's very kind of you to mention and i look forward to seeing all of your faces in the audience yeah hopefully maybe still masked i don't know if they'll be masked or not i don't know how it's oh, yeah. gonna work but no no no. i'm pretty sure 
Okay, good. Uh, all right, so let's get in. Going from something that makes Grace uncomfortable to something that gives Grace hives, let's talk about last week's Broadway grosses. In total, <laughs> Broadway saw a 23% increase in their bottom line, thanks in part to three shows joining the main stem last week, a handful of others returning from COVID pauses, still more ramping up to full eight-show weeks, and of course the combined Easter, Passover, Ramadan holiday weeks. Overall, Broadway grossed $34,729,295 last week, an increase of $6.4 million over the previous week. Attendance also increased, moving up 16% to 261,835 butts in seats. The biggest gainers of the week that didn't involve like shows in previews or coming back from COVID were all family fair, obviously capitalizing on the holiday weekend and equity rules allowing them to do nine shows. So those shows that benefited from the extra performance were The Lion King, which picked up $687,000, Aladdin, which increased six hundred and seventy-five dollars and Wicked, that added 448000 The Music Man, though, still reigned supreme with its measly little eight shows, grossing $3,328,253. But it was Lion King, thanks to the ninth performance, that was in second place, surpassing Hamilton, as Simba and company grossed $2.56 million. And Al, Aaron, TJ at all, everybody over at the uh, Richard Rogers brought in $2.45 million. They were followed in the top five by Wicked at 2.3 and Cursed Child at 1.96. The rest of the seven-figure club consisted of Aladdin, Moulin Rouge, MJ, Beetlejuice, Funny Girl, Six, Macbeth on six performances, The Book of Mormon, Phantom of the Opera, and Hadestown. With just five performances, Plaza Suite was next on the list with $917,819. In its first four performances on Broadway, A Strange Loop grossed $202,000, while POTUS did just shy of 153k in its first four shows. I have a feeling that these two shows, Grace, Strange Loop, and POTUS, will see some increases uh, in attention and grosses very soon as the word of mouth continues to spread about them because uh, these are the two shows that have been dominating at least my social media feeds uh, in the past week. Exactly. That's what I was literally going to say is that like everyone, the, the word of mouth and like the more, I mean, this is again, preview time, but it's also like we've seen just a little bit of content from these people. We've only seen a few photo calls. We've only seen a few little clips in, in, in the, the Megamix video that went viral about POTUS. Uh, so I think that it's going to be one of those that it's the trickle down of everybody's going, oh, holy crap, I'm going to have to run and get my tickets right now, uh, which I feel like kind of happened with six, like uh, in, yeah. in in America, at least, you know what I mean? Like where everybody said, you, you're, you're going to want to do that earlier rather than later because it's going to get really hard. So, yeah, um, yeah I agree with you. Yeah. So back on Broadway for the first time in a few months, Mrs. Doubtfire grossed to just under 529,000 in six shows and down at the bottom of the heap for Colored Girls grossed just 130,359 bucks and eight performances, while the skin of our teeth did slightly better with $138,610. Speaking of getting tickets to things, uh, let's take a, a break right now to talk about our sponsor for this week, Today Ticks. Uh, as you all know, 
planning for my trip, tons of things. I, I booked one ticket uh, on Tuesday, so I have three slots left. They very well might be going to shows that I get from Today Ticks because I am procrastinating far more than I normally do, but that's okay because with Today Ticks, I have found so many great shows at amazing prices for some of the best theater that I've ever seen because Today Ticks is like a one-stop shop for theater tickets. You get the best value for tickets whether you see them on Broadway or, or beyond or off-Broadway. All you have to do is download the app or visit todaytix.com to find the show that you want to see and you can get tickets super quickly from the app in 30 seconds or less. Yeah, that's the kind of nice thing about Today Ticks is that you don't have to have planned a trip like you do so insanely um, on a, an Excel sheet, right? Like there are some days when I'm just like after work or whatever it is and saying, huh, you know what? I'd love to go see a show with a friend. They have so much flexibility. You can book your tickets months in advance like Matt, or you can, you know, live by the skin of your teeth, if you will, um, for the day of. So if you're feeling spontaneous, that's the app to use. They give you uh, exclusive like access to pre-sales, limited time offers, and digital lottery programs to sold out shows. This happens all the time where there's a hot show and then all of a sudden like suffs like they're offering these great lottery prices and that's the way you're probably going to get to see it and day of discounted tickets so no matter where you live today ticks isn't just for broadway and london's west end you can also find tickets in cities across the country and around the world including chicago la dc san francisco sydney and more so see that show you've always wanted to see or discover something new that you'll love just as much for even less go to todaytix.com broadway and use promo code broadway to get ten dollars off your first Today Ticks purchase. That's promo code Broadway at todaytix.com slash Broadway for an additional $10 off your first ticket purchase. Todaytix.com slash Broadway. All right, Grace, let's get back into the news. And we got kind of an interesting announcement here. We heard that Andre DeShields will be exiting the Broadway production of Hades Town. Um, I believe on May 29th. And there were some rumors about what he might be doing next that might involve um, taking a hot air balloon somewhere. But we learned that he will actually be heading up to the Bushnell's Belding Theater in Hartford, Connecticut, to be a part of the world premiere of Matthew Lombardo's new comedy, When Playwrights Kill. He will be joined by Jeremy Jordan and Harriet Harris uh, in this new play that follows an aspiring playwright as he prepares for his Broadway debut while dealing with difficult actress Brooke Remington. As the show's tryout run ends in disaster, director Maurice Walker must step in to keep the two from truly killing each other. Um, this will be a lot of fun. I don't know what the plans are for this show moving forward, but you get two Tony winners and a Tony nominee. Uh, I think that probably means that you feel pretty good about the potential for this show to have a life after Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah, done. Sign sealed delivered. It's done. It's happening. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, next up, as part of its 2022-2023 season announcement, The Young Vic announced that Shelley Williams will be directing a new musical about the life of Nelson Mandela. The show will feature a book by Leona uh, Michelle and music and lyrics by Greg Dean Borowski and Sean Borowski. The show is scheduled to run November 28th of this year through February 4th of next year. And then we also got some information about a show that I feel like there are a ton of millennials and maybe even Gen Xers <laughs> will absolutely be obsessed with. Yeah. Uh, the Minnesota, uh, the Minnesota Tony winning theater, the Children's Theater Company, has announced that they will make the world premiere 
of a stage adaptation of An American Tale, beginning April 25th of 2023. The show will feature a book by Tony winner Itamar Moses and will feature music and lyrics by Michael Mahler and Alan uh, and Alan Schmuckler. Uh, Tavy Mager will be directing. The show is scheduled to run through June 18th of 2023. Um, I know there is original music and lyrics, but there is one song from the movie that they absolutely must keep, Grace. Somewhere out there. That's it. Yeah. Um, I, that was my audition, number one. <laughs> um <laughs> Literally, if you guys are, I don't, I don't, Matt, I don't know how long we've been friends, but I talk about mouse movies a lot, and maybe I've never <laughs> talked about it on the show, <laughs> but Don Bluth's canon is very important to me, and I will, I will do anything. I will resurrect Dom DeLuise for this. You don't understand how, like, I literally may have cried today seeing this, <laughs> so I'm really, really glad that you threw it in the show. Um, if you're not familiar with the whole canon of, of Don Bluth films and also American Tale or American Tale Five Goes West, which is my favorite one, oh, um, you need to take a moment and tell yourself that you love yourself and uh, cue that up because that's that's a part of this. But this is, if, if you know anything about like Steven Spielberg, this is a big Steven Spielberg year. That's what I want to say. Like this yeah. was produced by him. Um, it, it tells a, a Jewish coming to America story. It, it, it's just it's so good and also with the fact that we're getting Bruce we're just getting a lot of Steven Spielberg in the mix of the theater canon and I just wanted to throw that out there that I'm really kind of pumped by it yeah and uh, somewhere out there written by two of the characters featured in the musical Beautiful Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil that's W-E-I-L um, so uh, there you go along with James Horner they wrote the song Somewhere Out There and they were nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song yeah so there you go. Before you were born, by the way, I just want to mention. Everything was before I was born, Matt. Next. <laughs> Next. All right. Speaking of things that happened before you were born, the the Maury Yeston and Arthur Copet version of Phantom has been having a run in South Korea, and apparently it is going to be filmed and streamed in cinemas across America. Um, it will hit it'll be the first time that a um, a South Korean stage work has been filmed and made accessible in movie theaters across the country. Um, we will have a link in the show notes if you want to find out where the show is playing and when in movie theaters near you. And finally today, I have a real quick recommendation. It is a short uh, little news clippy story from NPR in which um, a reporter from uh, WMFE in Pittsburgh goes to visit the um, the exhibit going on chronicling the life of August Wilson. It's called August Wilson, the, the Writer's Landscape. Um, it looks like, uh, like a diner, um, you know, that is from Pittsburgh, where August uh, Wilson was from. Um, the exhibit was curated by his 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 widow. Um, so really cool story. There's a conversation um, with his uh, with his wife uh, Constanza Romero Wilson, and I made my love for August Wilson very uh, well known. And if I was anywhere close to Pittsburgh, I would be going to see this. So if you are in the area, take a listen to this clip and head out to the exhibit. All right, that's all we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt Grace, where can people find you? You can find me at It's Grace Aki. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Wednesday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. 